sons and daughters of the Most High God. Good morning, world changers. All right, just want to make sure you're here. Acts chapter 8, we're journeying through the book of Acts. We're talking about fortitude, and we spell that F-O-U-R-titude, right? Four. You've already heard the four things this morning, love God, love self, love others, and love creation. That's the four thing God wants us to do. I can sum everything up with that. And the book of Acts is all about fortitude. It could be renamed the book of fortitude if we want to rename the book of Acts. If you like that, just take your pen or pencil and scratch out the word, you know, right there in the front where it says Acts and say Acts fortitude, Acts of fortitude. Just write that in there. It'll be okay. <clears throat> there are no Bible checkers here this morning to see if you wrote it right or if you wrote in your Bible at all. <coughs> if you see my Bible, I write in my Bible all over the place, so I encourage you to write in your Bible. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Remember last week we talked about Stephen and uh, the stoning of Stephen. And we pick up in chapter 8, verse 1. It says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul later became who? Just changed the letter, right? Just changed the letter from Saul to Paul. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. What did Jesus say? You shall be my witnesses. Where? Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? And so now we see this persecution launch them, if you will, to be missionaries to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? That's what Jesus told them what happened. And so godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Churches met in homes. And so he would go to a house and try to find out if they were Christians. And if they were, he'd just drag them off. He had, he had the rights and privileges as a, as a Jewish person of the synagogue, a uh, high-ranking official, if you will, to go take people and put them in prison just because they simply believed in Jesus. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Now uh, Jewish people wouldn't have anything to do with Samaritan people. They didn't like them. It's a whole history. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but uh, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. That's all you need to know. Just didn't like each other. But Philip was not a Jew. Philip was one of the seven appointed in chapter 6. Remember chapter 6 where they appointed seven guys to take care of the ladies in the soup line? Remember that story? Philip was one of those guys that was appointed to pass out the food and the rations to the widow ladies. He he was not a Jew. He was what we would call a Gentile who was a believer. Okay? So it was Jews and Gentiles. So he wasn't a Jewish person. So he didn't have a prejudice against the people of Samaria at all. Okay? They were Gentiles just like he was, except he was a God-fearer. He trusted in Jesus. And so Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Now when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Anybody here ever been around somebody that had a demon taken out of them? Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, you better have your A game on when you get around that. You better know who you believe in when that type of thing takes place because it'll shake you to your core if you're not careful. But we know that greater 
isn't, is he that is in us, right, than he that is in the world, right? So if you ever encounter that, you have the right and authority over any demons in your life or anybody else's life, but for that matter. You have the right and the authority. Just tell them to get out of here. You don't have to jump up, down, scream, and holler. You don't have to wave a cross or anything like that. Just say, leave. Just say, leave. And so Philip was doing that, and these demons were leaving people, leaving them alone. Many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in the city. wonder what kind of joy there would be in Vanderbilt Hospital, Children's Hospital, or any portion of that hospital, if many people started getting healed. Do you think there would be joy and celebration in the hallways? Well, there would be, wouldn't there? There would be. I was preaching one time and got to this passage or another one similar to this, and, and I said the same thing. I said, what would happen if we all left the building right now and went down to the local hospital and healed everybody? Anybody, oh, yeah, started clapping, carrying on everything. It was great. You know, preacher's into it. Go, preacher. And after the message over, this nurse came up to me. She said, do you realize how many people would be without a job if people got healed? <laughs> Said that to my face. I said, no, I wasn't thinking about how many people would lose their job. I was thinking about how many people would get healed, right? Next week, there'll be more people back in there, right? Because people get sick. Seriously? Really? Seriously? It's a true story. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people... Both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished at the great signs and miracles that he saw. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet, been, had not yet come upon them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, man, I can add this to my toolbox of magic. This looks, like, this looks like a great thing. I want some of this. He said, give me this also, this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. Things you don't want to hear from an apostle's mouth, right? That's, that's not a greeting, right? That's not, hey, let's sit down and have a biscuit, right? <laughs> not what he's saying here. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Aren't you grateful that God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? You don't have to buy it. You can't buy it. It was already bought in the blood of Jesus Christ. Your salvation was bought in the blood of Jesus Christ. You ain't got to pay a dime for it. You have no part of sharing this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. So, it's a word of prophecy here. He's prophesying. I see, I see you've got a problem here. You're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Here's the thing. Here's a, here's a, this is not the message. We're going to get to the message in a minute. 
If you have a root of bitterness, it opens the door to all kind of sin in your life. Let me say that again in French. If you have a root of bitterness in your heart, it'll open the door to all manner of sin in your life. As apparently it happened with Simon the sorcerer. We don't, we don't know his backstory. But he was called out and said, man, you've you got a root of bitterness. You've got to get rid of that. Because it has now opened you up to all kind of sin. And you, you are now cooperating with the enemy, Satan. And all this sorcery that you're doing, you don't, you don't need to be doing that. There's a better way. And so he called him out. And you're captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me. So that nothing you have said may happen to me. It was immediate repentance here. And when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, here's the, here's the message I want to get to, the story of Philip here. So we've already seen in chapter 6 that Philip was uh, full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit. Remember the story in chapter 6? They said, pick out seven guys who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Wisdom meaning practical wisdom. They had practical insight into things. The Holy Spirit, obviously, meaning the Holy Spirit. So we know that about Philip already. We also know that, that Philip here was not afraid to confront someone filled with Satan. Simon the sorcerer was filled with Satan. That's how he's doing what he was doing. He was also not afraid to confront him and was also not afraid to share the gospel with him. And so now we get down to this portion, chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Okay, stop, pause. Have any of you ever had an angel of the Lord say something to you that you knew was an angel of the Lord? Anybody? And cared to talk about it? Anybody? Okay. I'm pretty sure if an angel of the Lord popped out and started talking to me, I'd, I'd be on the ground, just like all the rest of the people in the Bible. You see an angel, you fall down because they're intimidated. They're not chubby. They're not chubby little babies with little wings. Okay. I know you see them on TV all the time. You, you, whatever. That's not an angel. It's not a chubby little baby with wings, okay, flapping in the breeze. That's not an angel. An angel's like nine feet tall, right? maybe taller. And they got a sword everywhere they go. And if they got the sword out, somebody's in trouble. Right? If they got the sword back in the sheath, everything's kind of okay. But when they pull the sword out, you better look for a rock to hide under. Right? It ain't going to help, but you better look for one. Right? This angel appears. And speaks to him. Did anybody else in the Bible have an angel appear to them and talk to them? Anybody? Anybody want to guess? It's a pop quiz. It's not on the final exam, but what's the answer? Mary? Who else? Joseph? Who else? Early on in the Bible? Abraham? Sarah, right? right. Who else? Angel, yes, angel appeared to Gideon and said, mighty man of valor, right? Gideon's hiding at the, in, in, in the wine press. He's hiding. He's, he's scared to death. And this angel appears to him, and he's even more scared. He's, and the angel looks at him and says, you're a mighty man of valor. You see, God always speaks to who he knows we are, not to what we think we are or what somebody else has told us we are. God speaks to us about who we are, not speaks, he doesn't speak to us about the sin in our life or the doubt in our life. He doesn't say you, you, you're just doubting all the time. He doesn't say you're, you're a sinner all the time. He says, no, you're a mighty man of valor. He calls us who we are. 
because he sees us for who we are. And that's who he wants to deal with. That's the relationship he wants to have with you. He wants to have a relationship with you based on who he knows you are because he designed you that way. He doesn't want to have a relationship with you based on the past things you've done wrong or other people said you've done wrong. He doesn't want to go there. He says, fine, that happened. It's in the past. I've got something great planned for you. Listen to this conversation. This will change your life as you listen to this conversation. Mighty man of valor. The angel spoke to Gideon. Angel spoke to Mary and Joseph and even Zechariah and told him, told Zechariah, you're going to have a baby boy. There's somebody in here that heard yesterday they're going to have a baby boy. I wonder who that was. Let's see. Let's see if we can point fingers. Oh, right here. I think y'all heard that news, didn't you? Woohoo! Yeah. <clears throat> It wasn't an angel that delivered that news, but I don't know. It might have been. Might have been. So now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. You've heard of the Gaza Strip, right? Send the news every week. Somebody's always shooting somebody over there, right? Same Gaza, right? Heading down south. Go to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. <clears throat> uh, Ethiopian is, is now what we would call Sudan. It's the modern name for the area. Sudanese is who, who they would be at this point. Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, was actually the queen mother of the king because in that day and time, whoever the emperor was was like a, a, a sun god. And couldn't be bothered with the mundane things of running the kingdom, right? And so his mother, the queen mother, would be the one in charge of everything. She kind of ran the show. He just kind of sat on the throne, and, and I don't know what else he did, but that's what he did, right? And so she took care of things. But in her charge, she had people under her who took care of the other things. And this guy on the road was the secretary of treasury. He was in charge of all the money for Ethiopia. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in a chair reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, uh, apparently he was a God-fearer of some kind, and we don't know his backstory, but he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. He got permission. Uh, can I go and, and worship? Sure. And so he, he had enough money where he could buy a scroll because a scroll in that day, a Bible, in that day would have cost a year's wages. Right? Think about your, your year's wages and, and buy one book. A Bible. Would you do that with one year's wage? Well, he had plenty of money. He worked for the queen. And so he bought a, he bought a scroll. And he was reading from Isaiah. And the Spirit told Philip. So here we got Philip. He's got an angel talking to him. And he's got the Holy Spirit talking to him. That's a good day. Amen? Let me tell you something. If you wake up in the morning and an angel talks to you and the Holy Spirit talks to you, just call it a good day. Go have a biscuit and a cup of coffee and celebrate. Right? That's a good day. So the Holy Spirit said, Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. It wasn't unusual in that day for people to go run along beside a chariot. So get the picture. This eunuch is coming to town. He would have had an entourage with him because he was a secretary of treasury. Just like when our secretary of treasury or Department of Defense heads, whatever, whenever they travel, they got people going with them. Security guards, people carrying the canteens, you know, people carrying the biscuits. I mean, somebody's got to go along because he's important, right? He's in the chariot riding along, 
And the people beside him, run along beside him, you know, with the swords and spears or whatever, riding on horses, whatever it is, is an entourage. He, he's going on. It wasn't unusual back in that day for whoever's standing around to run along beside the chariot. Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? What's your name? Oh, that's cool, man. My name? Oh, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Where are you heading? Going to Sudan. Going to Ethiopia. That wasn't unusual. Okay? People would run up and just see who it was. The Holy Spirit said, go run beside him. So here's Philip jogging along. He's in great shape, right? He's jogging along, run beside the chariot. And he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip said. How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Secretary of Treasury said, come up here. If you know anything about this book and about who he's talking about, I need you. So he did. The eunuch was reading the passage, Isaiah 53, which is a forbidden passage in Jewish culture. You're not supposed to read that passage. Only certain people get to read that passage because it points to Jesus Christ. It points to a suffering Messiah because the Jewish people had a Messiah who was going to come and crush the Romans with swords and spears and just destroy them, obliterate them as a mighty king. That was their vision of who the Messiah would be. And Isaiah 53 says, no, that's not it. Sorry. He's going to be a suffering Messiah. He's going to be a suffering Messiah. So they weren't allowed to read it. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shears, he was silent. So he did not even open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. The asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Is himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled on the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Baptism was a symbol uh, for anybody, for uh, the Jewish people baptized, Christian people baptized, people not Jewish or Christian baptized. It was just symbolic. It was everybody did it back in the day, right? It wasn't just specific to Christianity. Baptism said, I am following you. That's what it symbolized. Whoever you are, I'm following you. And the eunuch said, I want to be baptized. I want to, I want to be counted in this, in this group. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, it says the Spirit of the Lord took him suddenly. That's what that means, suddenly. In the Greek, it means suddenly. It means, boom, he's here, he's there. So Philip's having a great day. An angel talks to him, Holy Spirit talks to him, and then he gets snatched away and sent 20 miles away, poof, in a poof, right? That's a, good, that's a day to have a coffee and a biscuit, right? That's a good day, right? And he goes preaching in Caesarea. And we know in chapter 21, Philip settled down in Caesarea, married, and had four daughters who were prophets. Did you know that? The same Philip. Great story. Chapter 21, verse 8. Read it sometime. He settled down in Caesarea, and he had four daughters that were prophets. He couldn't get away with anything. If he'd wanted to, he'd have been in trouble, right? When you got, four, when you got one daughter that's a prophet, that's bad enough. 
But when you got four, don't try anything. Right? And so he did. It's a great man. Great story. So here's some things I've gleaned from this. From this passage. Uh, <clears throat> Philip preached the word wherever he went. He was full of the spirit and wisdom. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. What's the good news? Jesus. Thank you. Jesus is the good news of the kingdom of God. He preached in the name of Jesus. He preached in the name of Jesus. Can you think of another name or two that Jesus was called in the Bible? You shall call his name Emmanuel, right? You shall call his name Emmanuel. And I'm going to help you out in just a little bit when the service concludes. I've got a brochure for everybody. It's our latest brochure. The names of Jesus. You're going to get this. It's a complimentary from our church to you. And it's going to list a lot of the names of Jesus. And you're going to find more about his name than maybe you have ever known. And I hope you will. What I find about Philip is his obedience. His obedience. He obeyed the angel. He obeyed the Holy Spirit. He was obedient to do what God told him to do. And I would challenge all of us to be obedient to what we hear God telling us to do. A couple of things I see about Philip was he knew his Bible and he knew Jesus. He knew his Bible and he knew Jesus. Then remember, Philip was not raised Jewish. A Jewish boy would have been raised from age 5 to 12 with his father. And his father would have taught him the Bible from age 5 to 12. From 0 to 5, the father didn't have anything to do with him. That was the mother's job, right? And then from 5 to 12, it was the father's job. And at 12, he became a man. In Jewish culture, when you were 12, as a boy, you became a man. And your father stood you in the town square and said, This is my son, whom I love. Uh, he can transact business on my account. That's basically what he was saying. It was, it was a custom. It was a tradition. Philip was a Gentile who loved the word of God. Maybe knew it just as good, if not better, than his Jewish counterparts. And he heard this guy reading from Isaiah and knew where he was reading and knew the story and could tell him who that was. Philip knew the Bible. But Philip also knew Jesus. He also knew Jesus in his heart. He knew him. He loved him. He followed him because the Bible tells us he was full of the Holy Spirit, which means he's full of Jesus. Now, a couple of things for us as we think about this coming week. We are all called to be evangelists, every one of us. Nobody gets a pass on this. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't get a pass on being an evangelist. It's not an option. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. You don't get a pass. You can't walk out here today and say, the preacher never told me I was supposed to be an evangelist. Okay? The Bible says you are. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Right? You don't get a pass. I'm sorry. We're all called to be an evangelist. Secondly, the second thing is, God is at work in everyone's life all around the world, all the time, trying to convince them that he loves them. It's a key principle for your life if you'll let it be. God's at work all the time in everybody's life all around the world trying to convince them that he loves them. God's at work in Janice's life right now. He was at work in Janice's life yesterday. 
And he's going to be at work in your life tomorrow, Janice. Right? Now, that's easy for me to point her out and say that because she's a sweet lady. That's great. We know that. She's in church this morning. She beat all of you here, right? She's the first one here. Right? So that gives her a markup because she beat y'all here, right? <laughs> but here's the truth. When you go to work Tuesday because you get Monday off, when you go to work Tuesday and you're in that room with that person you really don't like and they really grate on your nerves. Now, I was listening to a football game yesterday. And this person that was announced just, just got on my nerves. It's just the voice. It's just banging nails on the chalkboard, right? I digress. It's a root of bitterness. I'll have to deal with that. <laughs> but when you're at work and you run into that person that grace you, you need to know that God's at work in their life already. We're worried to be about being an evangelist because we're worried that we might not say the right things or do the right things. You don't get a pass on that either. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will come on you and tell you what to say. He will put words in your mouth. Because God's already at work. God was already at work in that eunuch's life. He was reading the exact scripture about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, coming back to life for us. That's what he was reading about, the good news, the gospel. God had put that in his heart. All Philip had to do was explain it to him. That's why, that's why it says in Matthew 28, go and disciple the nations. It doesn't say go and force them to come to Jesus. It says go and disciple what I'm already doing in their life. That's what the word disciple means. Find out what God is already doing in their life and join God in what he's doing in their life. So Friday, I'm at the guy store right across the street. Right? Water line underground burst. Water's everywhere. Water meter spinning. I didn't realize all that until I got the bill Friday. It said I'd spent 4,000 gallons more last month than the month before. I'm like, this must be a leak somewhere. Sure enough, there was a leak. So I dug a hole, got down to the thing, and it's like, well, I got to go to the man store and buy some parts, right? So I'm over there, <clears throat> and I've already got a tribe that I've, I pray with, I talk to, I pastor over there. But this one lady I hadn't met yet, right? And so I'm talking to one of, the, one of my folks I'm pastoring over there, and we're having church. And she walks up, and I see her name tag, and I, I, I say, Beverly, that's not her name. I say, uh, Beverly, we're having church right here. Would you like to join us? I don't know who she is. It's not important. I just knew God was at work in her life. I knew God was at work in her life because she's alive, right? I said, we're about to have church. You want to join us? She said, I went to church to that Bible school thing y'all do when I was nine years old, vacation Bible school thing. She said, I haven't been back since. Forty years old. Lives right here in Smyrna. Went one time and said that was enough, right? That's right here in Smyrna. That's right across the street over there. So we had church. I tried to explain Jesus to her. She said, God's everywhere. I said, that's true, but he's in your heart. Oh, he's in my heart. He's in my head. He's everywhere. And so I began quoting Psalm 139 to her because that's what God was working. That's where God was working in her heart, that God was everywhere. He wasn't saying Psalm 139. If I go to the height of the mountain, what? You're there. If I go to the depths of the ocean, what? You're there, right? If I'm here, you're there. If I'm here, you're there. That's where God had her. He was already at work in her life, convincing her that he's everywhere. I didn't have to take the Bible out and pop her upside the head and say, let's, let's spend five hours right here, right? I will go back and talk to Beverly again now that I've had a chance to meet her and get to know her. Right? I'll have church again. 
God's already at work in everybody's life all the time. All we have to do is just step in and find out where God's working and just join him there. That's evangelism. Now, here's, a, here's another principle, and that is this. If Christians aren't sharing Christ with other people, no one else is. If Christians aren't sharing Christ with others, no one else is. I don't know who shared Christ with Beverly. She didn't, she didn't talk about anybody else. I don't know. Let's make it personal. If we're not sharing Christ with other people. Here's a question for you. What do you know about Jesus? Do you know enough about Jesus that you could talk to somebody about him? Do you know enough about Jesus that you could talk to somebody about him? The brochure I'm going to give you, I hope that will help you some. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, great books to read about Jesus. Second question. Could you tell a complete stranger about Jesus? Could you walk up to a complete stranger in a store or somewhere else and tell them about Jesus? How about this? Could you tell your best friend about Jesus? And one more question. Would you tell someone about Jesus if their life depended on it? Would you tell someone about Jesus if their life depended on it? Because it does. Their eternal life is dependent upon us telling them about Jesus. Because if we don't, maybe nobody else will. And they'll spend eternity in hell. Because we didn't. Would you tell someone about Jesus if their life depended on it? Because it does. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the story and the life of Philip who's, who li lived before us in these scriptures um, who told people about Jesus. Father, give each one of us the same courage, same passion to tell us about Jesus that Philip did. Just a plain, ordinary guy that had never been to seminary, but loved you, loved others, and lived a life of fortitude in front of us. Father, forgive us. Forgive all of us. Forgive me, Lord, where I have not told people about Jesus when I had the opportunity to. Forgive us, Father. When we've ignored your touch, when we've ignored your call, when we've ignored what you were already doing. Forgive us, Father. Now come, Holy Spirit, and encourage us. Open our hearts and our minds to what people are going through. Open our hearts and our mind to... to fact that people need to hear Jesus need to hear his story need to know him Father open our heart and our minds to the lostness of this world Father there you've placed Beverly's in all of our lives they're just waiting on us Holy Spirit, help us to live our life as if everything depended on us, knowing that it, everything depends on you.
Help us to live with passion like Philip did. Use us. Here am I, send me. Father, we see the scripture where it says, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray you therefore the Lord the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the field. Here we are, Father. Send us as laborers into the field that are white unto harvest all around us. All around us. Send us, send us, send us. Put words in our mouth that, that need to be there, that, that only you could give us. Open our eyes to see where angels are at work. Open our eyes to see where the Holy Spirit's at work. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way with us this morning. Whatever the need may be, have your way. For it's in Jesus' name, Emmanuel's name we pray.